What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you haven't been rocking one of their wildland fire packs for your career, well, it probably sucks, especially on your shoulders and your back. But I always say that every damn time that I do one of these little insertions, these ad insertions for Mystery Ranch. Let's talk about the brass tacks of why I believe in Mystery Ranch so much. Now, yes, they are a sponsor, of course, but let's cut the crap and get to the chase, right? The reason why I believe in Mystery Ranch and what they're doing and how much they support the boots on the ground is because they do exactly that. They're not full of crap and they give a shit. They genuinely do. So for every little pack that's out there in the Wild Bend game, there's a ton of other other stuff that's going on behind the scenes to support you folks in the field even more. I mean, take a look at the Backbone series. They're giving out thousand dollar scholarships for improving your career and your life. Some of the folks over there are involved with grassroots and it's pretty badass. Shit, some of them even started it. Even down to Dana Gleason, the OG founder of Mystery Ranch, he went out of his way to go down to SoCal, work with shot crews to develop the very packs that you guys and girls out there in the field are wearing. And if that doesn't speak volumes about the passion that they have for wildland firefighters, well, I don't know what to tell you. So with that being said, after all I've said, they're good folks and they believe in you and they support you. So that's why I am so gracious that they are a sponsor of the Anchor Point podcast. So if you want to find out more, go over to www.mysteryranch.com. Check out the Backbone series and check out all of the other load bearing essentials that they have to offer. And of course, we have our coffee sponsor because we all know that the Anchor Point podcast can't come to you live to your ears or pre-recorded to your ears, unless it's uh, done in a very caffeinated state. So the people that I rely on for my caffeination is none other than Hotshot Brewery. It's kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, and a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation and some other causes that they're just, uh, yeah, they're working on it, but there might be some uh, other stuff in the works there. So if you want the best in kick-ass coffee and for kick-ass causes, go over to WWW Hotshot Brewery, but it just doesn't stop there. You can go over there and get your full line of wildland firefighter themed apparel and all of the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right. So once again, that is www.hotshotbrewery.com. Go check them out. And of course, I got to give a quick little shout out to my buddy Booze over at The Ass Movement, and that stands for the anti-service shitting movement. Homie's a firefighter up there in AK and he's doing the good deed of spreading poo-bearing propaganda across the globe. I don't know about everybody out there that's listening, but I absolutely hate it when I see a surface turd or someone just doesn't clean up their wreckage left behind their human excrement and it's disgusting and that shit needs to stop. So not only is he one of my very close homies uh, and we work together on some other projects, uh, it's, yeah, he's got a good mission. and. It was all started from humble beginnings, which you can ask him all about. Anyways, if you head over to www.thefirewild and check out the ass movement and use the code anchorpointass10 at checkout, well, you can save 10% off your entire order through the ass movement. Go check them out. Once again, that is www.thefirewild.com forward slash the ass movement. And last but not least, I would like to give a little shout out to my homie, Bethany, over at the AWE, the American Wildfire Experience, also known as the Smoky Generation. Yeah, you probably heard of it because they are paying it back for the people that are paying it forward. And what do I mean by this? Well, the folks that are telling the story of wildland fire. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, but you should have by now if you ever listened to any of these episodes. 
the uh, Smoky Generation is giving out $500 grants for those folks in the field that are telling the story of wildland fire. It's an awesome cause and it's only bettering the boots on the ground. So if you want to find out more, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. There's a ton of stories. There's a ton of uh, content and there's shit. Some of these stories are dating even back to the 1940s. It's like an, uh, it's like a oral history, an oral storytelling project, and it's all cataloged over at the American Wildfire Experience. So once again, if you want to check it out and find out more, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. I've been on a little bit of a brief hiatus and I hope that everybody's doing well and I hope that everybody is in shape and ready to go for this wildland fire season. Some of you out there, it's been a wildfire year, especially with the uh, off district tours and assignments back east this winter. So that's kind of nice. Go rolling into the season with uh, a little bit of change in your pockets and a little bit of training as well. But other than that, we have some big news to share. This uh, whole title, the title of this episode should obviously be what the uh, content is going to be about. But what we're going to do is we're going to invite uh, grassroots wildland firefighters and the National Federation of Federal Employees on the show to have a um, this is actually recorded live. So uh, if you want to check out the live stream, check out the YouTube. But we're talking about the uh, president's 20 fiscal year 24 pay bumps that are a part of the uh, projected or uh, proposed uh, presidential spending and budget for fiscal year 24. There's a lot of stuff that's uh, related to Tim's Act in there. So if you want to find out, we're still looking through the fine minute details so far and trying to figure out where all this stuff actually uh, gets into place. But if you want to find out what is on the horizon and what is in that, then this is the episode for you. So without further ado, I would like to introduce the grassroots wildland firefighters and some representatives from the National Federation of Federal Employees. Welcome to the Anchor Point. And there we are. We're live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast on a live edition this St. Patrick's Day 2023. We've got some special uh, announcements and updates, and uh, we want to hear about all of the uh, news on Capitol Hill and what better people to have in this conversation than the people that are implementing this change and kind of directing that change. It's pretty awesome. So we have grassroots wildland firefighters and the National Federation of Federal Employees. Probably seen them around the social media channels quite often. And you've probably seen all the things that they've been doing, but it's a very important cause and they have some news to share with everybody today. And first off, I'd like to introduce Max from Niffy. Take it away, bud. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Max Alonzo. I'm with National Federation of Federal Employees. 
I'm uh, one of the business reps here. Um, kind of took the lead on a lot of the uh, land management stuff, a lot of forest service stuff, um, uh, BLM and the other departments. Um, when I came on, I, I really wanted to focus. When I came on three years ago with Niffy, I really wanted to focus on wildland fire issues. Um, I spent my career with the Forest Service, and I saw these issues for a lot of years. Uh, that's, yeah, that, that's that's where I'm at. Um, Randy Irwin is our president. Uh, he has been extremely supportive of all of the stuff that we've been wanting to do. Uh, he's been hitting the hill himself, talking to people, working on things. Uh, we've got a great coalition. Um, I'm going to let it go to Randy now. Thanks, Max. And uh, hi, everybody. Um, just want to thank uh, Anchor, Anchor Point Podcast for bringing us on. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Stoked to have you guys. Yeah. And um, uh, Grassroots Wildland Firefighters uh, just do tremendous work. We're so uh, happy and proud to have you guys as partners and doing all we can to better the lives of wildland firefighters. Um, so, um, you know, yeah, I'm the, I'm the national president of NEFI and, uh, I'm really proud of the work that we do. We represent 10,000, uh, wildland firefighters across the country, mainly in the forest service, but a little bit in, uh, in a few other agencies as well. Uh, you know, last year was, uh, uh, you know, a, a kind of defining year, re really exciting, uh, what we accomplished, um, you know, what a, a tremendous group effort. Um, and, uh, and it really was kind of landmark, you know, get, getting, you know, a, a tremendous increase uh, in, in pay, first of all, which is kind of first and foremost, what we hear about, hear the most about and what leads to so many other problems uh, with wildland firefighters. And, um, you know, uh, but, but as everybody knows, um, the, 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 the great provisions that we got in, in that stimulus package there, um, uh, you know, a couple of years back, uh, it was only for two years. And so, you know, we are actually in the final year already. Boy, how fast time flies. And, um, you know, we got a really, really big job ahead of us. Um, and, uh, you know, so, I mean, for us, you know, th this is the highest priority that we have, um, you know, as a union, uh, you know, we, wildland firefighters are our bread and butter and, um, and, 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 you know, we have a, a, a great opportunity to kind of lock in the, these changes that we got on a temporary basis and we're, we're life-changing and now we gotta, we gotta get them permanent. And, and, and there's a, a long list of other things that we got to get done on top of that. But, um, you know, I'm really excited, uh, because, you know, there, there, there really is such a tremendous movement happening here. I mean, you, yeah, I feel it. I see it every day. And, you know, th th that movement of wildland firefighters standing up and demanding that, that they see changes, uh, you know, th th that need to happen. We all know what they are. Um, you know, it's, it really is incredible. And so, you know, I think we have kind of bro broken through the, um, uh, the, the minutia broken, you know, sometimes it's hard to get people's attention in Washington. And, um, you know, I think we've been able to do that. Um, and, and so now, now we've got their ear and, uh, you know, I, I'm really proud to say that that's a bipartisan thing. You know, it's, it, you know, the, I think with the, the administration, the administration heard us and they, you know, uh, they, they did a lot last year. Uh, particularly in, in, uh, letting those pay raises go nationwide instead of just kind of, uh, focusing on, on a few areas and other areas getting screwed. That would have been terrible. So they really listened to us. And, uh, you know, I've been, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit connected in Washington. You know, I kind of got to meet the president the other day. Uh, when the president's budget came out the other day, I got a briefing 
a one-on-one briefing from Secretary Vilsack to go through all the pieces that, that were impacting wildland firefighter. Um, but um, the, the thing is, they're, they're, this administration is proud of what they've been able to accomplish on wildland fire. They, they consider it one of their crowning achievements. And that's great because if they're really happy about what happened last year and they, they think that's a feather in their cap, then they're more likely to, to do it again and to really push for it. So, so that's good. And, and then on Capitol Hill, you know, uh, we've got a, a truly bipartisan approach to what we're doing, uh, which, which isn't really always the case, you know, uh, you know, but, but last year we got, we got standalone legislation passed unanimously in Congress, um, you know, for, for six people under six C that got injured on the job that they didn't get their, their uh, early retirement taken away. Uh, that was a big heavy lift that took a couple decades, but we finally got it done last year and we got it done unanimously, 407 votes to zero in the house. That doesn't happen in this day and age. That doesn't, it doesn't happen. And so that, that's key because that means that everybody really views what we're doing, what this movement is and what it represents. It has complete bipartisan appeal. And so that's, that's part of the battle. And that's a lot of things that other interests will not have, uh, but we have, and we got to take advantage of, uh, but we got a lot of work, important work to do this year. We got to keep this movement going. And, and, you know, we, we do not want to get to this cliff that's coming at the end of this fiscal year uh, and, and have people's pay fall back to what it was before. I, I can't, as disastrous as it was before the pay raise went up, I can't imagine how bad it would be if we get to that point and, and, and we have to go through that again, especially if we had to go through it for a year or more. So, so we really do have our work cut out for us this year. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm so glad we have, have, have you all as partners, uh, to, to make that happen. You know, I, I really encourage everybody out. We need every single person to get engaged in this fight. It, it, hopefully join these organizations here, but at the same, but also become engaged and get plugged in because, because we got, we got to have a strategy to, to get to every member of Congress and, and make sure that they're supporting the wildland firefighters. And if we do that, we'll have success. And, you know, all of this, uh, everything in the president's budget, you know, you know, I, I'm, I think the president's budget is great uh, for, for wildland firefighters, $568 billion in total in new spending for wildland firefighters. That's $57,000 per wildland firefighter. I'll say that again. That number comes out to $57,000 per wildland firefighter. And that's, you know, locking in the pay, uh, getting more boots on the ground, housing, portal to portal, mental health. And so, I mean, that, that's a really good package. That's not where it ends, you know, because this, this, I mean, we got wildland firefighters have been ignored uh, in Washington for, for decades and, and you don't, you don't get all the way in one year, but this is one heck of a start. And so we, we got to go up to Capitol Hill and get this and, and continue to make the case for more and more. It'll be a multi-year effort, but this would be one heck, heck of a start. So, but we need, we need everybody involved in that fight because it is, it is a big, heavy lift. Uh, but if we do it, we'll be stronger and, um, and, uh, and, and we'll, we'll get some great things done and there'll be no stopping us going forward. Absolutely. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate it. And yeah, he brings up a good point there. The shut up and dig mentality is pretty much over and it shows and it's thanks to efforts through the boots on the ground directly funneled upwards to the upper echelons of leadership through these two organizations right here, that being the NFFE, uh, National Federation of uh, Federal Employees and Grassroots Wildland Firefighters. And I see we move mountains with spoons over here in the chat box. And uh, yeah, that that name 
kind of alludes to what all of you have been doing on Capitol Hill. But moving on to introductions, Yvette, go ahead and take it away. Hey, everybody. I'm Yvette Piacek. I'm also with Nephi. I'm the uh, Deputy General Counsel in Nephi's Office of General Counsel. Uh, I've been in the role for a little over two years now, um, although I've been a, a lawyer fighting for federal employees for over 15 years now. Um, but since I've come to Nephi, I have really kind of dug into your wildland firefighters issues. And there's incredible work happening right now. You know, thank goodness we've had grassroots wildland firefighters are doing um, a lot of heavy lifting over the years. And we are happy to work alongside them and alongside all of you. You know, the, the what I view my role is um, you all are the union. If and, and I know some of you can't be in the union or your union, your forest isn't unionized yet. You should get unionized. Um, but if if I am not speaking for the people I represent, which is wildland fire, then I'm not doing my job. And I I love my job every day because I hear what you guys are going through and and we're making real change. Um, and it's happening fast and the stars are aligned. Um, but I know it's because, you know, so many people have, have put so much work into this. Um, and we can make mountains move a whole lot faster, um, with everybody coming together. Like you have this last year, I, I really do believe that people standing up for themselves, um, has made a huge difference. And, and I'm really glad to be part of this team. That said, I'm new to wildland firefighter issues. So I'm two years is, is a decent amount of time. But, you know, when I speak, I want to speak your language. Um, so you all have to educate me. And I, you know, I, luckily I got a lot of great leaders out there, a lot of support um, within our union ranks. We got, you know, Andy Vanderhul and um, Stephen Gutierrez, Mark Munoz, um, Aaron Kidwell, we just have really great folks out there. Hobie Miller. Um, and, you know, they, they get it. I'm in regular, almost daily conversation with all of them. Um, and that really helps us push through what we got to get pushed through. Because I'm the one who has conversations with OPM about like the occupational series. And, you know, through those conversations came to know that we got to get Randy to contact Secretary Vilsack to get them to process this pay. Um, so I am kind of the master of relationships with the executive branch for NEPI, I'd say. Um, and it's been, I think, great. A um, lot more work to do. Uh, but I need every single one of you out there um, to tell your stories, to amplify it, push stuff out on Instagram do exactly what you're doing. Um, and I'll keep doing what I'm doing and there's going to be no stopping us. And poor Luke hasn't even had a chance to say hi to everybody yet. So let me pass it over to my brother, Luke. Go take it away, Luke. Uh, hey, excuse me. And I apologize for my voice. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity, Brandon. Uh, my name is Luke Mayfield. I'm the current president of Grassroots Wildland Firefighters and one of the co-founders. Uh, when this started, you know, a little over three years ago, the intent was to provide a platform that allowed for advocacy, self-advocacy, and cohesion 
across organizations. And I think that uh, a great indicator of that happening is this call right now with Nifion and Grassroots. And I think that we formed, like Max alluded to, a fantastic coalition amongst any and all parties. You know, Grassroots is an advocate for advocacy. We don't care how it's done. We just want to see us cross the finish line and see the results at the end that allow for federal wildland firefighters to enter the career and exit as whole and healthy human beings um, as possible. And we know it's a difficult job. Uh, Grassroots is a huge supporter and advocate for congressional approval of the FY24 president's budget. We are extremely grateful of the budget proposal as provided. Um, we also want clarification. And before we make an educated and informed push for the masses to advocate behind, there are points of clarification that we are seeking before we start disseminating that information. And I can, go, I can go into those as, as uh, allowed. And if anyone else has anything, I will uh, hand it over. I guess I will say one thing. The, the fire family, the federal fire family is amazing. Um, you know, it's been my priority for a majority of my adult life. And the change that's happened since 2019 to right now through budget and infrastructure is historic. The FY24 proposal is historic, but we do want clarification. That's a big thing. And like, like we were saying, all these people in this uh, conversation, they've done a hell of a lot and it's through the direction of the boots on the ground. So with that being said, let's try and get into some of the, I guess, finer things that we've been told and we've been briefed on from a congressional level, because the last thing I want to do is go into this conversation with some level of hearsay or speculation. I kind of want to try and remove that. I know the details are going to be inherently limited because we don't have all of the specifics, right? However, there's some big important movements happening on Capitol Hill and it's directly going to affect the wildland firefighters on the ground. And that, that pay parity and classification and the retirement benefits, all that stuff is a huge thing. People have been fighting for this for as long as the Forest Service has been around. I mean, how many years has it been? 40, 50? I mean, obviously the Forest Service has been around longer than that, but ever since that pay gap and the, I guess, inflation out, outpacing the uh, risks and the amount of uh, risk that we take on is not measured anymore. So with that being said, what can we talk about? What can't we talk about? Is there any topics that you guys want to bring up right away and just kind of put there out, out there on the floor? I can go over what grassroots is seeking clarification on directly, if that works for the, the NIFI representatives. Works for go for it. 
Um, so again, we support the FY24 budget proposal. We're grateful. We recognize and are thankful for the agency leadership across the USDA and DOI for providing the inputs that have contributed to this proposal. What we are seeking clarification on and have asked directly Yeah, right, buddy. Yeah, That's, dude, that cold's killing you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fantastic time in the life of me. Oh, I just uh, got over when I feel you. <laughs> we would we are asking for the exact pay tables that specifically show the pay rates from what we understand are a thirty six percent increase at the GS three level to a one point five percent increase at the GS fifteen level. We would like clarification or information available that compares this permanent pay table to the bill supplement that was $20,000 or 50% of annual salary. And the justifications or considerations that were used to create this 36% to 1.5% raise, um, scale. Copy that. Hey, Luke, if you mind, if I'd interject real quick, that's just to clarify for the folks out there listening. Um, that's the GS three through GS 15 level. Now that's a sliding scale that goes up to GS 15, right? And the GS 15s would be on the lowest, the 1.5% raise, correct? Yes, correct. Right now, the a GS3, as we understand it from the releases that have come out, a GS3 would be receiving a 36% increase, GS-15s are 1.5. So what does it look like in the middle and what is the comparable or the justification for it as compared to budget and infrastructure that was $20,000 or 50% of? That makes sense. We would like further definition of the portal to portal premium pay. Um, is this a differential? Does this account for the hours of rest that are not coded as base pay or overtime? Is it classified as premium and or coded as a differential? Will it be available for local assignments and initial attack? And what is the criteria for people to secure portal to portal on their home unit? while on local assignment, resource order, P-code, and how will dispatchers secure portal to portal? The next point that we would like, well, we wouldn't necessarily like clarification on, but I think people will definitely need to be aware of, is that the implementation between DOI and the U.S. Forest Service or USDA is going to be different because of the impacts that are going to occur on positive education requirements. Um, the Forest Service, as we understand it, has received an extension um, on the classification portion to December of 2023 to ensure that classification is investigated and pulled off as appropriately as possible because it, it's gotta be done right and right takes time. So the extension is not a bad thing. 
Uh, we would like clarification of what we understand right now from the the USDA, US Forest Service approach is that classification is different than personnel management. Personnel management includes position description modernization. Does that happen with the extension or is it still an intended um, effort that is going to happen after classification? And the last thing, and I think this is huge, you know, a part of the the FY24 budget appropriates 10 million per agency for year-over-year funding of comprehensive health and well-being program. We that that is necessary, needed, and mandatory for the well-being of our folks. But the root cause of the need for that, in my opinion and perspective is the current workload and expectations that exist for the workforce. We strongly believe that the work to rest ratio needs to be investigated at a much larger level to include and look at fire seasons and fire careers, not just operational shifts and 16 on and eight off. And we wanna advocate probably obviously across the board for that investigation and a new work schedule that allows for the actual actual work-life balance and not the catchphrase work-life balance. And that's grassroots. We support it. We support the agency's attempts, uh, their intent, we are extremely grateful for the communication that we've had with the agencies. We see the the budget proposal as imperative and historic. It needs to be approved by Congress intact with everything that's being asked for, but it's a step. And we need more first steps, more advocacy, everyone at the table and coalition amongst all organizations that are involved in this. And I, I really can't thank NIFI enough. Um, it's It's been a pleasure getting to work with you, improve relationships, and uh, get tattoos in Reno. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, ladies and gentlemen, ZZ Hop. Uh, <laughs> the uh, updates on grassroots point of view on these uh this this pay and classification package this uh, budget proposal for fiscal year 24 and uh yeah like Randy said earlier too i mean we're running into a wall here we're we're going to run out i mean the fiscal year ends what october for the federal budgets yep. so tiktok that's this october is when they switch over to the fiscal year 24 so they better either stomp on the gas or <laughs> figure something out cuz a little bit worried. I'm a little bit worried that it's not going to be implemented in time. So with that, what are your guys' uh, perceptions of that on Capitol Hill? Do you have, uh, obviously there's going to be some trepidation there, but what's your thoughts on it? I, personally, uh, what's that? Go ahead, Randy. We all have thoughts. <laughs> are you talking about the timing of it? The timing of it? Yeah. Is this going to be like a slide into home plate at like the last possible second score a goal? Or are we you know, looking at a rapid acceleration and getting this thing on the plate to fix the problems? So, so some, it, 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 one of two things happens. Sometimes there's some uh, uh, emergency spending 
or a, like a stimulus type thing. If, if there's a vehicle like that that moves, then there's a good chance that I think we would be able to uh, get some of you know get something attached to kind of cover cover the gap because it is very very unlikely that we're going to have uh, a, a, a appropriations bills uh, passed on, on under a, under a normal timeline. Um, there's continuing resolutions every year, and we're we're, pro- we're probably destined for more conflict uh, in Washington this year than less. Uh, so I, I would not be optimistic. I mean, I think everybody has to be prepared uh, for the for the high likelihood that even if we get this done, that there's going to be a period where uh, where we we you would get back pay in, in the new year once the budget gets passed. But but there would be a point where where the pay would kind of drop off and go to a lower level. I think that's highly, highly likely. And that's just the process. And there's probably very little that we can do about that without some special vehicle to get it done. in. Uh, I was going to say, I mean, with, with, with that being said, Randy, um, even if that, if there is that opportunity, we all need to get on board. We all need to be writing our congressmen. We all need to be getting on the Hill as much as possible and letting them know that this workforce is going to walk out the second their checks is their checks are lowered. I mean, there, there is, they're going to lose, even if they make promises, you know, how many people are sick of promises, empty promises that they've had their whole career. But if they see their checks go down $700 a pay pay period, they're walking, they have better places to go. Yeah. Um, Places that, you know, we'll we'll take care of them. So, so we we really need to get that. And, And it's not our jobs. I mean, it is, but it's everybody's. Everybody out there, everybody that's got fire boots on needs to be calling their rep. They need to be writing letters. They need to be getting involved with these organizations. They need to be part of this. And I can't stress that enough. I mean, yeah. it. We, we say it a lot, right? Um, you know, you got one person standing on the corner yelling. They look crazy. You got a thousand people standing on the yelling. You, you got a movement. And But, uh, but, I, but I, Max, I, I do think it's important that we manage expectations because... Yeah. Because some things are just not in our control. I mean, we're hard workers, but we're not miracle workers. And, yeah. you know, I can't control, uh, you know, the conflict that occurs in Washington. I can try to manage it and, and operate within it, but I can't change it. And so if we've got those kind of macro factors working against us and there's no vehicle to, 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 to you know, get some kind of short-term reprieve to get us t- t- till that to next calendar year, say, or once once those the, the, those budget bills get or appropriations get passed, you know. So so, and I, and I don't want everybody to get mad at our organizations when it's no. something we don't have any control over. I mean, we pulled a rabbit out of a hat to get this, you know, pay increase, everything that was in in in, in that uh, stimulus bill a couple of years ago, and now we've got a good chance, and I think we'll get it done. Uh, you know, to to make these things permanent and, and move the ball a little bit further down the field. Uh, but but we can't create create uh. You know, we can't we can't do things that are just impossible. You know, we're hard workers, but we're not miracle workers. Definitely, I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, you know, if we if we have that opportunity, um, that it'll it always helps just to have have everybody involved. Just get everybody involved. Oh yeah. And we've got about five months to make our case to Congress. We got to mm-hmm. get through to these folks that have the power now that this proposed budget is out there. It's it's their responsibility. And so if all of us take this time over the next several months to, to share our stories, our, your stories are so compelling and really do grab people's attention. And I think if we can all 
move and and contact Congress, um, you know, we'll get their attention. And even if they have to, you know, make some drastic compromise to, to pass a budget um, at the last minute, that's what we need them to do. And we need them to know that we're not going to cut this fire budget proposal money. That all has to stay. If anything, we'll double it, triple it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or heal their sunk in the ground. You know, this is not an area to compromise on. And and so it's on all of us to to relay that. And, you know, Nephi Grassroots, I think, Hotshots Association, you know, we've been talking about how to strategize around this. And we're all in full support of the budget. And and now it's just a pivot to to, to mobilization. And, and we're going to be leading that together with all of our groups to get every single person in fire involved um, to make the pay fix permanent. Um, before it lapses, because like Munoz says in the chat, people will walk if it's not there and, and we can't afford that. America oh, can't afford that. Like it's lies. So. Absolutely. And that's a good thing about these two organizations here, the grassroots and uh, Diffie. Um, the folks that can unionize by all means, hit up your local rep and try and get that ball moving because these guys are doing stuff on Capitol Hill. That's pivotal to this whole cause. Right. The people that can't or the people that just want to support and support both functions at the same time, go hit up grassroots at the same time. I mean, we're there. All of us are there. We're trying to get this ball across the finish line. The, that we're, you know, third in goal or whatever you want to call it, whatever stupid analogy you want to put out there, but it's there. But also I understand that a lot of people need to set their expectations realistically. Now this stuff isn't going to be, passed overnight, like you're all saying, but also it'd probably do some justice for the folks out there listening to this call to do some research into civics, right? Because not a lot of people know how the inner workings of Congress and congressional sessions and budgets and fiscal years and all that stuff works. So we got to navigate all of that stuff at the same time while trying to steer the direction of these bills. It's crazy. So I'll just say real quick, you know, the proposal is, is just the proposal. Um, you know, it's the baseline management formula for what they think they need. Congress always defers to that. You know, they say, well, the agency told us this is what they want. Sure. So keep that in mind. This, we wanted all of this and they reflected a lot of our advocacy and these numbers, and these are higher numbers than we've seen in a long time. Uh, but it's still management's proposal. And they had, from what I was told, they had to do a lot of arm wrestling in back rooms to even get some of this stuff. Sure. Um, so, you know, we have this time now, this spring and this summer to to put forth what we think the proposal should be. Obviously, this is great and we support it. This is the floor. Um, and 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 if we can, you know, we'll try and squeeze out a little bit more. But it's just a proposal. So if this budget budget doesn't fit every single person, you know, that's that's okay in a way because we're going to have future budgets. We're going to have the the master agreement too. The union is is bargaining the master agreement that covers um, all just about all forest service for us, um, and and we're going to try and get a lot of good stuff for fire in there too. Um, you know, that's a way that we can try and work on issues that, that Congress can address, um, but management directly can. And so we just engage with them directly. Um, yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say on that. 
Uh, I would I would elaborate a little bit, and uh, I mean where I where where I think this fight is going to be at is is really when it when it boils down to it, it's the Republicans in the House of Representatives. That's that's where we got to. That's where the work needs to be done because you know on the Republican side of the aisle, there are a lot of calls for uh, cuts in spending, austerity type measures. You know, in, in, in fights that are, uh, you know, way, way above our head, pay grades, something we have nothing to do with. Um, and, and we can't change for that matter. But, you know, at, at least on, on this issue, we need to separate what is being done with wildland fire from what, however they conceive of government spending and, and that being a bad thing and wanting to limit it. We need to them in their minds to separate wildland fire from that, from that, <laughs> you know, and, and the way we do that is by, you know, engaging them with their own constituents, you know, at home, you know, because there's so many people in Washington or organizations that they, they, they front, they pretend they've got a hundred, you know, all these thousands of people, hundreds of thousands. And the truth is it's a paper tiger. They're not in touch with these people. They don't really they don't, they're not real. They can't talk to them or go meet them or, or engage them. You know, that, and that's, what's a little bit different about, about our organizations is we actually do speak to them. <laughs> you know, we really do represent and, and have contact with people in these areas. Yeah. You're bridging that gap between us and the upper echelons of government. Essentially. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, both, both organizations, grassroots and NIFI. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But, but we got, we got to get to those Republican offices and on the house side and separate, separate uh, the, the, the bigger thing of government spending from what's happening with this. I and mean, this is a tiny little sliver. You know what I mean? Like this is a multi-trillion dollar budget. And we're talking about a little $568 million, you know, enough, for this yeah. group, it, it, it's life-changing, you know, and, and, and you know, it's, it's, it, 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 there's no, there's no reason why anybody on any, any side of the aisle shouldn't be in support of this. But that's where we have the work to do. And we got to do it soon because this ball starts to roll. You know, they start uh, in the House. They, they, they take up the, the, the budgets first. You got these subcommittees of the appropriations uh, you know, committees and stuff. And they start they start putting these budgets together and, and making decisions. And, you know, usually the, the, the ultimate decisions aren't, aren't made till much later on in the part process. And lately they've been kind of bundling them all into these big what they call uh, omnibus appropriations bills and things like that. But you still got to do the work early on b- before the die becomes cast and, and, we, and they kind of like are just hacking away at, at, at all the kind of what they consider big spending that the president's doing and this being lumped in with that. So we got to get to them early and, and separate ourselves uh, so, so, that, so that the Republicans in, in the House really view this as something that they need to support in the president's budget. That and holding our ground too is just a community. I think that's going to be important. And uh, there's a lot of tools out there. I know grassroots, Luke, you could probably expand on this a little bit with some of the tools that we have that have basically preformed like letters of support that go to your senators or your representatives, mailboxes, inboxes, or their staffers, at least. It's not like this. It's not like these people on Congressional Hill are reading their emails, but still going to their staffers and they're getting those messages. Luke, do you want to uh, talk about that a little bit? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I mean, we want to flood the, flood the system with a cohesive and unified approach across organizations and ensure folks are educated 
and moving in the same direction, you know, north to south, not coming at it from east to west while 70% of the, the movement is going north-south. Uh, grassroots, once we have the clarification, we have the tools on our website via you join campaigns, and those will start being populated. And it's as simple as five to six clicks, and those go directly to your state representatives uh, and federal representatives with the same distinct cohesive message. Um, and the just to add on to what uh, Randy and Max and Yvette have said, the, the beauty of this is there is bipartisan support. There is not bipartisan support across the board for all things that are going on right now in Congress. Sure. Um, and some of that is out of our control. Um, there's unforeseen obstacles that we are going to have to overcome. The way we overcome that is by coming together and spreading the word in a unified manner and all trying to reach that same end state. And we're doing that. We've been successful. Look at the change that's happened over the last since 2019. It's some of that shit. I spent 18 years with the Forest Service. And most of the time I sat on a hillside with my bitch buddy talking about what needed to happen. It's happening. It's awesome. It's not perfect. We have the ability to influence it. This is a proposal. We have the floor. We can make it right. We will tailor our campaigns. We will share those campaigns. Grassroots doesn't take any of the credit. The credit belongs to everybody, multiple organizations and above and beyond that, the boots on the ground, the people putting Nomex pants on yep. eight inch plus leather boots. I hope you don't stag your pants if you're out there. <laughs> um, so, I mean, our job grassroots from our perspective, we're going to arm everyone with the information necessary and the tools needed to easily and cohesively influence legislators to do the right thing. And that's the most important part of this shit. It's bipartisan and it is the right thing. For multiple decades, we have had extremely quiet professionals that have suffered in quiet and not said shit. Over this past short while, in reality, three plus years, people aren't being quiet. People are speaking up. The, the best and the brightest within the agency and outside of the agencies are starting to paint the picture of what right looks like. And we have the right ears and we have to continue that. 100%, man. Like you said, over the past three years, more has happened for the benefit of the wildland firefighting community than over the last arguably 50 years. So this, wow. these movements do work. Mm -hmm. Look at how much everybody has done out there. And that's not just including grassroots and NIFI. That's every wildland firefighter out there who's tooting that horn, so to speak, or just amplifying voices. It's pretty incredible. But one thing at a time, right? So mm -hmm. let's talk about, we got, the, we got the bipartisan infrastructure law 
passed, right? It's it's a law now, but that has a expiration date, like we're saying. Now, this new budget proposal, let's talk about some of the things that were proposed in it. Can we do that? I mean, there's not a lot of specifics we can talk about, but what are some of the things that were proposed in there? You mentioned portal to portal. We can start with that if you guys want to. Hey, Brandon, I got, I got to take off here. No worries. Hey, Randy, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for all you guys do. Appreciate you. Thanks, Randy. Happy St. Patrick's Day. All right. Have bye, fun. guys. Have a good weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. See ya. All right. Bye, Yvette. All right, there we go. So back to the question, do you guys uh, feel comfortable to ask that? The portal to portal question, that's going to be one of those elephant in the room questions that I know a lot of people that are listening to this want to hear what was proposed. Now, this is not a guarantee of what's going to come out. So let me be explicitly clear about that. But what was proposed? I I have it in front of me. If you want me to spiel it off, Max and Yvette. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is is just forest service, but I think in, in all respects, in relation to workforce, it's similar for DOI, what I'm about to spout off firefighter compensation reform in the president's budget, $180 million. The funding will allow the agency to implement a new pay structure for firefighters. That includes a special pay rate salary table for all firefighters, one through 15. Um, Again, it's a sliding scale starting at 36%, going to 1.5%. We are seeking, because I saw a question in the comment box, Um, clarification on what that is and what the justification is uh, between that sliding scale and what Bill offered in the 20K to 50%. Um, Included in this also is portal to portal pay for 24 hours while on fire assignment. We're still looking for clarification on the definition of portal to portal pay. Premium pay, differential, 50% of base, does it occur for the eight hours you're sleeping after eight hours of base and eight hours of overtime? The maintenance of hazard pay. So hazard pay will still exist. And I will say, because there's people that are poking holes in this already, we need the clarification um, and we need the, we need the, the comparison between Bill and this. And then I do want to note that it might have been, I think it was less than 10 years ago. It might have been 13 years ago. OPM wrote a response to the USDA talking about uh, that to do with pay raises. And at that time, OPM's stance in writing to a couple different senators was that a 4.5% raise for federal wildland firefighters was too expensive. So just think of that movement from a raise that potentially starts at 36% and a decade ago, 4.5% with a bunch of quiet professionals that weren't talking was too expensive. So a lot has shifted. We're not saying it's right, but we need clarification to be able to explain it to folks. Um, 
increase in wildland fire management salary and expenses. 69 million will go towards the cost of living increase, which to my knowledge, I think is at 4.7%. And 259 million for firefighter capacity increase uh, allows for the potential to hire, if you can find the bodies, 970 <laughs> more firefighters. Um, and to include the use of hiring and retention incentives. This will allow the agency to continue the progress of creating a more full-time year-round workforce. And on that, I will go back to the point of clarification. We want work to rest definition expanded to include fire seasons and fire careers, not operational assignments. We do not want to see the attempt to squeeze more blood out of the same stone and come back to the same shit that we're at right now, where we're dealing with people that are broken, hurt, suicidal, alcoholic, depressed, facing mental health issues. We need that work-life balance and flexibility is the root cause of many issues that are currently being faced. From my perspective, firefighter mental health and well-being, um, there was a down payment of, I believe, $120 million to stand up a joint comprehensive health and well-being program across agencies. Initially, they thought that the year-over-year cost to support that would be in the 4 to $5 million range. After investigating it, it's in the $20 million range. And again, credit goes to the agencies that have come together to push for this shit uh, because the Forest Service is requesting 10 million DOI, 10 million to support this program on a year over year basis. It's needed, again, in my perspective, me as a person, not grassroots. This is the attempt to provide something after something's broke. We have to set up a system that sets people up for success, doesn't take care of them after they're broke. We still need it. It's imperative. Folks are hurting. Things are messed up. We've got to have this, but we also have to have a system that puts sets people up for success. And then firefighter housing, uh, 50 million. We've been told that this funding will be protected and the funding allows for urgent and necessary firefighter housing facility maintenance and repair on the DOI side. I think it's 22 million total of 77 million to ensure that the rat infested houses you live in have the opportunity to become rodent free and livable. Well, that's another thing to you, Luke is uh, the deferment process with, with maintenance as well, right? Is that something that's going to be, as you said, it was going to be protected. So is that deferment, that deferred maintenance program? Now that's going to be something that's not going to be able to be done anymore with this new proposal, correct? Well, I can't speak to that. I'm sure there are all sorts of gray areas and, and side doors to do whatever you want. But what we have been told with the money requested in the FY24 president's budget, the 50 million and 22 million respectively is protected and will go towards housing improvements or uh, the construction of housing. Copy that. 
And, and I do, I gotta, I have to say, cause I don't think it gets said enough. Um, people within the agency do want to see positive change for federal wildland firefighters. I know I spent a shitload of my career talking shit about the people that I thought were not doing anything. These people that we're speaking to in the fire and aviation management team, OWF, whoever it is, like the effort is being put out there to provide true change. Like this budget is an indicator of it. The housing, the acknowledgement, like they're taking what NIFI has said, what grassroots has said, the identified pillars, and they have, they do have your back, but there is a lot of shit that goes into this. At the beginning of grassroots, we thought we could stand up a web website that educated people and provide a white paper about a paradigm shift. <laughs> and bam, everybody was going to take that because it was a good idea and make shit happen. Four years later, I'm on a podcast with all of you amazing people. And there's still barriers out there that we're yes, tripping across and trying to knock down. And yeah, it's it's going to take a lot more of this to make what we really need out there. Um, and so I think I have the same slide as you, Luke. Um, <laughs> so thank you for going through the details. I just, if I, if it's okay with everybody, I want to make a couple comments. Um, so again, this is the budget proposal, right? They rolled this out, invited us to have a call to celebrate, like, look, we heard you, isn't this great? And we started, Toby immediately started asking some some tough questions. All the questions that, you know, Luke said at the beginning of this that Grassroots has. Nephi has them too. And we started to ask some of them and they just don't know yet. So, um, you know, we are going to stay on them. We're going to see uh, as time goes on what information they can share with us. One thing they told us was that they were going to put out... Uh, a, a public release with the draft legislation that would implement this proposed budget language. Um, they said it was supposed to come out on Monday. I haven't seen it yet, but that was supposed to include the actual salary table for the uh, special base rate. And of course, dying to see that, right? Um, as soon as that comes a out. A lot of people out there dying to see that document. I can tell you that. Yep. So as soon as it's in my grabby little pause, we will blast it. Um, I'm sure you'll, you know, through all of this network, we'll be able to to comb through it with a fine tooth comb and find out exactly what we need to know so that if it passes, that it's implemented appropriately. You know, they royally screwed up how they issued the pay from the infrastructure bill. Um, I hope that we can avoid those same hiccups just by having better communication, you know, anticipating um, more than I think the people did last year when they were trying to to figure out or you know, last year and a half trying to figure out how to do um the infrastructure pay bump so um yeah they didn't give us any specifics really that were worth relaying on that call last week we don't have the special pay rate table we don't have the draft legislation the devil's going to be in those details just like luke said uh, and we are asking the same 
the same questions. We are hand in glove in this um, to find out because they're your questions. They're the firefighters questions. Um, and I believe right it like it's out of the agency hands. Am I correct, Yvette? And it's sitting with OMB right now that needs to vet, verify, go through their process and say yay or nay. Or, oh yeah. There's there's a lot of a lot of people involved um yeah. to make sure that you know it, it's it's primarily the legislative folks, but yeah, there's some some OMB wrangling that has to happen. Um, you know, they're the bean counters of the federal government and they see these giant numbers and that haven't been in past budgets and they have really have to be convinced. Um, so, you know, kudos to everybody in the administration that did that arm wrestling with the OMB just to get this proposal in the shape that it is. Um, there's a lot of people that worked behind the scenes to get it this far. Um, well, you bring so, up a very good topic right there, actually, uh, going into like the disconnect between uh, these legislators and the boots on the ground is they the legislators, they don't speak fire language. At the end of the day, they have never walked a, a single like step. The boots are wearing on the ground there. The frontline people are, are wearing every day. So it's hard to I can understand it being difficult to convey that message in a, in a meaningful way that these congressional representatives would understand. Is that one of these challenges that you're facing? Uh, you know, the, the truth is, is that just a few years ago, they didn't know that this workforce was out there. Um, uh, that That's the honest truth. The first time I, I went up on the Hill uh, quite some years ago, Jesus, no, no, nobody, nobody knew who we were. They didn't know we were out there. I, we had to explain every time we sat in an office what we did that we work for the federal government um, and, and, and the issues that, that we see. So I, I think just recently, like, like I've said before, just the fact that, that people are like Luke said, standing up and really taking ownership of their, of their careers. And, and they're just kind of at the breaking point to where they're going to stand up and, and say something instead of being quiet professionals uh, has made the change. So, but it's still hard. I mean, it, we, we we're still explaining uh, you know, the, the barriers that we have. And it's not just the folks look on at the where people sit, you know, West coast versus Midwest, East coast. Like I, I find it amazing. The amount of just education that has taken place and needs to continue to take place. And I see uh, Munoz, it's important for firefighters to get out there on the hill because they don't know. And we built a culture over decades of, if a reporter talks to you, tell them to go to your supervisor, go hide in the hills. Let me call the PIO. <laughs> yeah. Like for better or worse, like I love the, the idea of that, but what it's done is set up no knowledge of what it is that our federal folks sacrifice as fire seasons have transitioned to fire years and the response areas have changed into communities burning down and protecting life and property more than a wilderness area fire with a couple folks doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that, like it is full on triage at a catastrophic level. And the department of defense has said that 
U.S. wildland fires are one of the biggest threats to the U.S. Now it's time to support the shit out of it and ensure that we are recruiting and retaining the best and brightest civilian operators that, in my opinion, exist in this country. I second everything you said there, Luke. <laughs> no, it's it's arguably one of the largest professional firefighting organizations in the world. One of, at least. Maybe not the, but uh, yeah. I mean, why aren't we treated like professionals? And finally, over, you know, <laughs> decades, and we're finally starting to get that ball rolling. So well, as far as... Data in August, up right. until now. And that's that's... For the people that are listening to this that don't understand that you're only a firefighter when you're in the ground, but you're just an unskilled laborer when you're, you're working. Yeah, that's there's some gravity behind that cynicism there. And it's a lot of truth and it sucks. But now we're actually getting treated like professionals or starting to get treated like professionals, like a professional firefighting workforce. Um, as far as some other things that are going to be big topics and kind of elephant in the room questions regarding this pay proposal, let's talk about dispatch. I know this is going to be the hard one. And have you guys heard anything about dispatchers being included in this? I know that there was a summit held um, to discuss this further. There's been multiple efforts, I think, across the board, NIFI, grassroots, um, and a thousand percent dispatch is part of the fire family. And we are advocating for the inclusion of dispatch of of all fire regardless of the the support mechanism from training to dispatch to whatever into all of this movement uh the pay the benefits 60 and potentially i've heard rumors that dispatch is going to be included but fire needs to be included it's a system it's not just operators on the ground. It's the people that facilitate firefighters getting to the smoke report, the people that facilitate the training that people take on and take to move up the ladder. I mean, it, it's, it's a system. It's not just people in the, the trucks getting to the incident. It's everyone supporting them to successfully get to the incident and walk away from the incident or deal with something super shitty that happens on the incident. Oh, absolutely, man. And that's another thing too, is like, I mean, when you're fighting a logistical thing, a logistical battle, which fire very much is, if you can't communicate or if you can't move things logistically, well, you're not going to win that battle. Sorry. It's just no point. I mean, if you can't talk to dispatch, well, let's put it into context. If you're an IC five and or IC four, IC three, doesn't matter what level of IC you are, try and run a fire without dispatch. You can't do it. So absolutely. It's my opinion that they should be 100% included. And when they first announced that dispatch was going to be not included, well, they didn't announce it. We pushed them on it and they immediately were quizzical like, Oh, dispatch isn't in it. Um, and then the person who made the decision, um, did say that well the line had to be drawn somewhere um and so consistently on every single call we have been pushing back that the line never should have been drawn there no, um, absolutely that's not. people that just don't get it 
uh, drew a line. And so um, I see in Leslie's comments, you know, we are optimistic that we're going to get dispatch in there at some point. I'm not sure how. Um, and there's been no commitments, obviously, from the agency on it. But it's not not a battle that um, we are yielding on at all. Uh, we've heard you all loud and clear. Same with grassroots. And yeah. I will say we have consistently and regularly pushed for the inclusion inclusion of dispatch into this series. We may not have publicly um, done the best job of messaging that, but we have 100% of the time pushed for the inclusion of dispatch into this 0456. Oh, absolutely. So as far as any other hot button concerns that we've been hearing from the com the community and its relation to this pay proposal, this budget proposal, rather, what else are some other things, some other, uh, I guess, details, if you have them, rough details? I mean, like we said earlier, this is not a guarantee. This is just what we've been briefed on. The documentation hasn't come out yet, so we don't have anything finite to go off of as proof. However, what about something like uh, retirement? Like the, I know there was a lot of talk out there about um, retirement being included into your uh, your overtime being included into your retirement and your hazard pay. Now, I don't know if you heard anything about that. If you can confirm or deny any of that, but what's your opinion on that? It's grassroots direction to continue to advocate for the inclusion of hazard pay and or overtime towards retirement benefit calculations. Um, and that's part of our direction moving forward, but it is not currently a part of anything on the table, but it is a direct um, focus area of grassroots for 2023 until we see it happen. And hopefully my voice is back by then. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Niffy side of the house? Absolutely. Same for Neffy. Um, I, you know, we're also pushing hard for the, the temp buyback this year. That actually has huge a good one. shot of passing. Uh, but again, that's not, you know, the agency doing, um, you know, any sort of gifting. That's going to be Congress. So um, but yeah, hundred percent overtime should be part of your high three. Um, it, if it's okay, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, mental health and then housing. Yeah, take it too. Away. Cool. Thanks. Um, mental health. I, I mean, Luke said it earlier, we're on the same page with respect to that. Um, the infrastructure bill had put quite a bit of change toward that initiative. And so, from the NIFI side of the house, we pushed hard to have what is basically a pre-decisional type early, early involvement and a seat at the table um, to build that program. Um, they, after several months of me pretty forcefully asking, they said, sure, we'll put NIFI on it. Um, and then mysteriously, like things didn't get scheduled. We weren't invited to meetings. So I don't know if I fully if if there is a fully baked program out there on mental health that we're going to be learning about in the next few months. Um, what I do know is that we're going to have, um, we've been invited and, and Grassroots luckily has two to a summit that's coming up um, with quite a few stakeholders um, in April that's solely about mental health. 
Um, so nephew's going to participate in that. Uh, we, we will be sending one person at least, um, we'll try and get more, but ultimately what we want to do is, you know, negotiate this program at the bargaining table, wherever possible, uh, to supplement, um, the money is huge, but it matters how it's being used. And, and like Luke said, we're concerned that it seems to be dealing with the problems after they arise. We want to see a whole lot more for prevention. Um, and that overlaps with, you know, other issues that we're going to be bargaining in the master agreement, um, in the fire article schedules and, um, you know, time off and R and R all of that. Um, and it, and it, it, patches into work-life balance. You know, this is a budget that, um, you know, works great for a lot of our, our younger, um, you know, less senior firefighters, but folks that are mid-career, I think we're going to have to work a lot of more benefits through the master agreement for a lot of those folks. Um, and that's, you know, that's Nephi's, Nephi's bailiwick right there. That's not Congress. I'll just say on the comprehensive health and well-being program for my perspective, and I wish we had uh, one of the subcommittee members for the comprehensive health and well-being uh, pillar two for grassroots. Um, they have put some of the best people that I could ever hope for in charge of building these programs, but it does take time to build these programs and they're, they have fantastic people in place within the agencies. They're maintaining dialogue, uh, inviting the right people to the, you know, like the April 14th meeting. Um, but it's not going to be perfect right away. But I think that federal employees should be pleased with the folks that have been put in charge of building this foundation of comprehensive health and well-being. And I am extremely pleased with uh, that process and this effort that is, is going on. And I think there's a lot to, to figure out, learn, and be able to spread the word on. Yeah, I think the, the, the foundation is there. The devil, again, is in the details, so... That we're building the plane as we're flying it. Oh, my God. Seriously. So on the housing stuff, um, there was a question about, um, we asked in our initial meeting, is that going to be only to catch up on deferred maintenance? Fun fact, I guess it's there's $250 million backed up in deferred maintenance. Oh, so shit. we got 50. That's a fifth of what we need. Um, and, and my understanding is that is going to be pretty much for maintenance, not for new construction, which is not what we've been pushing for. I mean, we, we want maintenance, but there's some of these, these buildings that just need to be raised. Um, oh yeah. I've lived in them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like a year and a half ago, um, I was at the Nephi training center in Southern Maryland with a, a bunch of wildland firefighters who came for their first steward training. And we were just, you know, kicking back after class, drinking beers. And they were telling me about the rats and, and, and the leaky roofs and the busted pipes. And I was the like, mold. 
holy cow, this is how you guys are living. Mm-mm. And so that kind of, you know, settled with me. And we started knowing that we we're going to go into contract bargaining this year. Um, I, I started researching it and started picking apart what our possibilities might be to fix this. Um, and this 50 million, um, I'm, Max told me to, to not be humble. <laughs> um, so I'll just say it like Nephi got this 50 million. So we had asked for OPM's help um, with the housing issues. And I started asking for conversations with people at OMB on housing last year. Um, we finally got this discussion with, with the right person at OMB um, about a month ago. And, um, I, I, I told them your stories, what I heard when we were sitting drinking beers. And I said, you know, this is hurting our ability, not just to retain, but also to recruit. Um, and, and we need this money. And she heard us and she was able, uh, that was perfect timing because she was able to take our survey results that all of you provided um, some of my legal research, she went and talked about it with their office of general counsel, and she was able to make the sell to her higher ups, um, to slide this $50 million in at the last minute for forest service. Um, so that was no easy get, uh, but we did it. And, and it was thanks in large part to, you know, all of you responding to that survey and helping me get the most compelling stories to, to get through to these people who came to this call with like prepared comments, ready to just like blow me off. And I, 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 I really was kind of bothered by that. Um, and we got 50 mil, so this is great, but it's really not enough either. No, um, not even And I know it's not. It's no, it's not. It's something though. It'd be small steps, right? More than what we would have had, honestly. So I'm happy with it. Um, and and I and we represent um, folks in Park Service too. You know, they uh, we got them involved too, and I made sure that we shouted out the uh, interior <laughs> when we were having that discussion. Nice. Yeah. So yes. I guess. Go ahead. I was going to just queue up the next question, but go ahead. You can go ahead first, man. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, uh, never mind. Go ahead. Lost my train of thought. <laughs> We're good, no man. worries. So I guess uh, with all these other things that are been implemented in this pay, this budget proposal, now I guess the last elephant in the room that's kind of a hot button topic now that I think about it, because I forgot about it earlier and kind of brought myself back to it. Sorry, ADHD brain. Uh, wage grade. So with the paying classification that's uh, attached to this proposal, where are we looking with the wage grade, wage grade folks? Because we need those dozers out there. We need all those wage grade folks in the field and they are very much a part of us uh, as the, of the wildland firefighting workforce, just as much as dispatchers, just as much as the hotshots, just as much as everybody else who's operational. So where do they stand in this whole thing? If we can answer that. I, I don't know any intel on that one. Um, you know, it's something that our leaders have asked in, in our phone calls. Um, absolutely. But we don't, we just don't have those details yet. So I don't know, Lucas, have you heard anything? I mean, we're, we're pushing for it in the same form and fashion that we push for dispatch and 
what we have been told is that the the pay raises and the benefits aren't necessarily tied to the series and the classification and that the considerations are there and will be potentially available for folks outside. So wage grade. um, And I thought I saw, oh, and militia. Militia. A lot of these um, pay provisions are being at least proposed in a manner that are going to benefit folks inside of fire, outside of fire, wage grade, but we need clarification. And I'm with the vet on that. It's another um, point that, that needs clarification. That's one of those things too. I think that uh, this conversation, it can't happen behind closed doors on Capitol Hill. It has to include the boots on the ground and all, all forms of that. Everybody needs to be represented. If they're going to roll out something, everybody needs to say in what they, they need. Right. Cause this isn't just a one, you know, operational federal wildland firefighter thing. It's many other tertiary and quaternary things. So the more people that we can get, raising a stink about it and emailing their representatives or making calls or whatever, the better. I mean, joining grassroots, joining NIFI, joining both of them. I mean, that's, that's going to be pivotal to our success and your success for the boots on the ground that are listening to this. So it's up to us. It's up to us. Well, yeah, I'm getting to, Oh, go ahead. I I was just going to just kind of add to that. Um, I try to explain to people that, that uh, we're, yeah, sure, we're, you know, we're, we're able to get on the Hill, we're able to, to talk to our representatives and, and the administration and make those relationships, but, but none of this happens without everybody. I mean, what, I, our organizations are nothing but a tool, right? And, and if nobody's going to pick up that tool and learn how to use it, then not a lot's going to get done. But if you get a whole lot of people picking up a lot of tools, you can cut a lot of line, you can get a lot of work done. Um, and, and that's really what it's all about getting everybody involved. I can't, I can't stress it enough. Everybody has to be their own advocate. Sure. We're going to be your advocates also, but you have to be part of this. You, you have to step up. You have to write letters, be part of one of these organizations or both or, or, or start your own. I don't care, (laughs) but whatever you got to do, but make things happen. Um, I've spent a lot of years sitting around bitching also. And, and, uh, I, finally realized, you know, if you're going to eat, you got to go get some food. So nobody's going to do it for you. That and you can't present a problem without a possible solution. Right. So interesting thing to tie into what you're saying there, as far as like third party, like people that really don't have any skin in this federal uh, game, right. This pay classification, retirement, all the mental health stuff. I'm talking, Exactly. And that's the thing too, that uh, I think it gets oftentimes overlooked. Like we have community supporters from outside of the federal agencies like CAL FIRE. So for instance, CAL FIRE, I know a lot of CAL FIRE folks and municipal departments support these uh, these pieces of legislation, but who are some of those uh, other organizations that are supporting us directly? Maybe not my, my, maybe indirectly like promoting our cause, not necessarily like in a financial context, but yeah, who are some of those folks out there? And there's there's some smaller organizations that are just supporting wildland firefighters in general. I think, and and I think a lot of us know them. Uh, you know, 
you know, we could go through a list of names. Um, but I, I mean, per personally, people that have reached out to me um, are smaller organizations like Rip and Lips, uh, Hot Shot Up. Um, those community organizations are really important um, because they bring the people around them to one place and that that empowers people to get involved right there. So it, it gives us the opportunity to go speak to a lot of people in one place and, and get people involved. So I think those are really important, but, but I think we really need to look at a, a bigger picture. Like you were saying, I mean, there's everybody in this country should really have some sort of investment in this. I mean, we're, we're losing, yeah. where does our water come from? Right. I mean, our water comes from our, it's our natural resources, our forests. Uh, these cities are supplied with water by our forests. If we don't have firefighters protecting our forests, we're not going to have water. Um, I mean, that, that's that's just the basics, right? Uh, it, it, the towns, we have towns burning up because we don't have enough skilled wildland firefighters up there. It's not just unskilled labor. We know that. Um, and, and I think it's time for all of us to stand up and explain to people what we actually do. Or not what I do anymore, but but what, what they actually do. So, yeah, but that's another thing too, is like, we've all been there and done that. We've done our, a little bit of time in the field for my, my particular context, but um, the rest of everybody else out there, who's part of grassroots and Diffie, they're still even active. I yeah. mean, that's huge. Well, and I just want to add, you know, to Max's sentiment, we have two competing objectives, you know, as that have come from the 10 year wildland fire strategy and multiple other publications, but there's the proactive need for true hazardous fuels removal and a prescribed fire workforce and a workforce that is managing land. And we have the immediate need of a robust, flexible and fluid suppression workforce. Right now, the expectation is that your robust, flexible, and fluid suppression resource becomes year-round to complete two competing objectives. There's not enough time in the year. No. We need to advocate for the land management side and for the suppression side, and they need to be not separate but the priorities need to be inverse of each other where you've got your suppression operators who are training to operate and deal with the worst case scenario. And then you've got people that are in place to be the farm system for the suppression workforce and land management leadership and workforce and start completing this shit because our firefighters are burned out and they're going to continue to be burned out until we have defined the capacity needed to compete to accurately put the right amount of boots on the ground to simultaneously meet objectives. hundred percent, man. It's like two sides of Velcro, the hook and loop side, and that's your fire program overall and it's land management goals. You can't separate them or else it doesn't work, right? So. I love that metaphor. <laughs> go ahead and shoot, uh, take that one. Go ahead and steal that one. <laughs> I like metaphors. <laughs> so, 
Well, listen, guys, I got about 10 minutes left on my uh, time before I got to jump off. But um, if you guys are cool with it, I can go back through some comments and read a couple and see if we can answer them to the best of our abilities. So I uh, see one on PDs. Let's take it away. Let's see which one was that. That was uh, Adam in the comments here. At least uh, that, yeah, at least Adam. Yeah. And there's a couple of them. So that's this first one I saw with PDs in there. So let's talk, Adam. Um, as a group to discuss new PDs, many coworkers and I are concerned about the they will be used as an opportunity to add duties. So adding to the burnout factor uh, and not meet the original intent of accurately reflecting our duties. Yeah. So this one, oh, <laughs> where do I start? That's a big um, one. Yeah. I, you know, we had great, great, really smart. Some of, some of my favorite people that I work with in this community um, involved in reviewing those position description drafts and pointing out, you know, where they fell short. Um, we asked for more time. We got more time. Uh, everybody in the higher levels, like Luke said, uh, within the agency, but also at OPM, they want to get this right. Um, it's hard to get it right. Um, you know, they're dusting off this old uh, four, five, six. Um, rather than building something from scratch. And so, but they can't just copy and paste. And I think that that's what they thought they were going to be able to do. And, and well, they couldn't do that in the first place because the game has changed from 40 years ago when these PDs were originally written. But they didn't know that until we started telling them, you know, you're leaving this out. This is not a may perform. This is a grade controlling duty that you should include. And so be it if it results in an upgrade. We need to have people paid for their work that they're actually doing. So and we need the we pipeline more... for upward mobility as well. Exactly. So, you know, we have been told that the, the career ladder progression is being incorporated in this. So that's huge. Uh, we still have major concerns about whether all of the grade controlling duties are actually going to be included. Um, last I heard, is we are going to be shown uh, uh, grassroots too, and I'm I'm hoping that we can um, you know get together and coordinate on and in, in our review of the position descriptions when they come out again, uh, and 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 do a joint uh, comment on on where it falls short still. Um, certainly, if you know grassroots is an approach, and we are, I'm gonna call you Luke and we're going to coordinate because <laughs> um, this is too important. We just need all voices and all eyeballs um, to make sure we get this right. What would be an absolute shame is after all this work, um, if if they come out with a series that still doesn't cut it, what a waste. Um, and, you know, I do feel like this is our chance to get a good series and I'm angling to, I don't even know if it's me per se, but um I think the reality is, is if we get a series that is accurate, you all will be paid more because of the work that you already are doing and you deserve credit for it. You need to have that in your, you know, credentials. Um, it, and it's just not happening yet. So stay tuned on that. Hopefully, you know, within the next month or two, I'll have more to report out through our, our various source um, communication methods. Um, I know that our leaders have been pretty good about getting sort of the latest and greatest out on Instagram and, and Twitter. And so watch, watch there for whatever I have to share. That's how it comes out. 
Yeah. And uh, I guess that kind of ties into the next question that I'm going to ask as well to just follow up with uh, the comparisons between the BIL, the bipartisan infrastructure law, and this new pay budget and pay scale in the budget proposal. Now, a lot of people out there, I know they're really pissed that OT does not apply to that 50% or $20,000 cap, right? I don't know. Let's try and explain this sliding scale a little bit more finitely to where we can kind of say, hey, you know, that 36% of the GS3 level and it's stretched out across, you know, these, this sliding scale up to GS15, right? Now, since that 50% bonus of your base was not included into your OT rate, this one would be, right? Because it is a base pay thing. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know how to really put that into context better. I'm sure someone else could. It's a pay table that'll be permanent and it'll be permanent. But what is the comparable to what Bill offered? And what are the considerations that were included in this graduated scale from 36% to 1.5%? And what is the justification from not saying Bill was 50% or 20K? Why wasn't that automatically built into this new special pay table? And we don't know. Like that's what we're asking for clarification of and what is the, what are the benefits? It accounts to overtime and hazard pay. It accounts towards retirement calculations. It potentially reduces the amount of overtime hours needed on a yearly basis to make ends meet and to pay mortgages, et cetera. Like there's a lot of pros that from my perspective, I could spout off. But what I can say is we've asked for clarification and what was used to come up with 36% to 1.5 on that GS15 top end level. And then it's a proposal. So what inputs can we provide back to be like, yeah, you're not wrong, but this is right. And this is what we want to see. But until I know that, I can't come at folks and say, yeah, or no, or kind of, sort of. <laughs> but I can say <laughs> at face value, I support the shit out of the FY24 budget. And I'm grateful as shit of the administration's work to get this in a proposal but we still have the opportunity and the chance to vet, verify, field test and say, yeah, you're right here, but this is, this is where you're wrong. And this is what we want to see. So we still have the opportunity to fine tune it and dial it into where it's what right should look like. Right. Got to organize, advocate and get the community together to get this message across, regardless of how you get it across, I could, it does not matter to me. I'm an advocate for advocacy. Join NIFI, go to the grassroots website, do whatever it is that floats your boat and come together. Cohesive, uh, we got to be together. And we got to push this shit as a community and as a fire family 
and we can no longer be quiet professionals. It is time to make this shit happen. Oh, absolutely. That and getting uh, third party support as well. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell the people that are not in fire, tell Cal Fire, tell municipal departments, tell all your buddies to go support the shit out of this because we can't do it neither. I want to see an army of moms get involved. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So listen up, kids. Tell your mom what it's really like on the line. See how pissed she gets. (laughs) Yeah. Don't mess with moms. (laughs) No, no. All right. Well, I mean, that pretty much covers, I think, all of the comments, except for we had one last one uh, about contracting. I don't know if it helps, but contracting is required to pay 15 an hour as the first year. 1650 plus 480 an hour for health benefits and a max of 56 hours of paid time off. I don't know if we can really go into the contracting side because I don't know a damn thing about it. And yeah, I mean, I do know that I can say that a rising tide will raise all ships and I'm sure there'll be fallout benefits for the contractors, for the state departments, for the municipal departments, the people that are kind of the have nots. If we get this across the line, then now all those other people that are trying to get the same benefits. Well, guess what? You have a playbook for it now. I wish I could answer your question, man, but could you guys speak on that or at all? Contracting. Sorry. Go ahead, Max. I I was just going to say, if if you're a contract firefighter at at this point um, and and we get, we get all this stuff done, you know, Come on over to the feds. We need, we need retention. We need a workforce. Um, you, you've got the skills. Uh, if, if it looks better over here, hopefully it does. Uh, come on over. And our goal long term, we think all of these jobs should be federal jobs mm-hmm. um, and, 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 and equivalent across the board. I know that, you know, it is more expensive for the taxpayer to, to, to pay a, a contractor through contracted workforce than by just having them be feds. Um, so, you know, contracting is, is tough because we need contractors. Absolutely. We, we need that help. Um, but we also want, you know, as many people in the cover of, of federal service as possible. So, um, right now we're worried that they, um, the agency might be, um, contracting out a little bit more than what you know we really think is is needed and we're worried about losing those fte slots um you know it's tough we we this is inherently governmental work at at the end of the day um i don't think you're going to remove the contractors though from the um the other sides of that argument though maybe i don't think you i don't think you can personally and and i'm not just talking about federal lands i'm talking about like your state projects your private projects your infrastructure projects there's still going to be tons and shitloads of work out there because it's all accomplishing the same goal of fuel hazardous fuels reduction right but define define capacity and then see where the tools can best be used yeah once you define capacity then i think we know how to best use contractors and and they're a fantastic resource and they're not going away but if we don't define capacity and create systems that adequately and accurately use people for the best purpose that they're available for then we're exactly. going to be in the same fucking spot we are right now exactly Define capacity. 
please. Yeah, you need something quantifiable there. I'm not talking to anyone on this call, but it has been described as the elephant in the room. So I want to know the capacity required for a fluid, flexible, and healthy federal firefighting suppression workforce, along with the capacity needed to provide for land management and hazardous fuels reduction across tools in the toolbox. I love it. That was a good answer. Yeah. Nailed it. And then I guess last but not least, cause I got a jam here pretty soon. I know you guys got a jam too. Um, but Leslie asked a great question right here. Uh, can you, Let's let's take that and not the the higher the contractor part. Let's turn that into the federal context, right? The 37 and a half cap. Now, what's the progress with that? Is there any language whatsoever about that? Because I I kinda wanna say that that's kind of a bullshit rule. Mm-hmm. That's and there is a workaround, but I don't know how well it's used or accessed the land management land management workforce flexibility act that should allow for the hiring of folks after the age of 37 into permanent positions. But I think there's complexities involved in that, that I don't have expertise to, to answer. I think the option is there and we should take anyone that wants to come to work. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I agree, Luke. And I, and I believe with the LIMWIFA, the Land Management Workforce Flexibility Act, it's uh, how much time you have with the federal government as, as a, uh, a temp employee uh, that can count towards that. Um, I, I don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that that's how that works. Um, so, but yeah, if you're a contractor and trying to come in after 37, I just have to agree with you, Luke. We shouldn't be taking anybody that knows how to do the work that wants to work. Oh yeah. Those expertise and skills are very perishable over time. The longer you're out of the game, the faster they deteriorate. So get, get them in. Yeah. Well, and, and stay tuned. I mean, I know everyone is concentrating on what's currently here, but we also have to be looking at what's three years ahead, what's five years ahead and, and what right looks like and how we're going to get there. We can poke holes at anything we want, but right now this shit is historic. It has not happened. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. We got to push for it and advocate for it. And then we got to move on to the next division. Oh yeah. Our work is definitely far from completed. And uh, if anybody's going to be in uh, Washington, DC on April uh, 12th and wants to, wants to meet up with us, we're, we're all going to be getting together to, to, uh, to speak about this, to, to some congressional folks. Is that going to be televised by any chance or streamed anywhere? I don't know. You going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me pack my bags and all my equipment here. Um, well, uh, I, I think there will be some media coverage, but I'm not sure who exactly. Yeah. We're trying to get as, as many nephew wildland firefighters into Washington DC here. Um, I, you know, grassroots is going to be there as well. We aligned our schedules intentionally, um, to make this first run at Congress before, you know, things start catching fire out there this summer. Um, but it's, it's going to be a sustained campaign. We have another nephew legislative week in June, the week of June, Juneteenth, June 19th, um, where we're also going to make another big push with lots of meetings um so those of you that are interested you know get plugged in either for our april 
10th through 12th event. Um, locals are supposed to be considering whether their finances allow them to send uh, you know, one wildland firefighter from each local is our goal uh, to get to town April 10th through 12th. Um, and then same for June, you know, we just, we need as many boots as we can get here to share those stories. Um, not to mention, I just want to meet everybody finally, <laughs> instead of just getting the emails or the texts. So you don't have to fun. wear your boots though. <laughs> I'm looking uh, forward to hitting the hill with you, Luke. Yeah, it'll be good. And I, I hate to do it, but I got to get out of here. Same yeah. Here. I got to jam too. So. But well, you talk for hours. Now, oh, this right. is a big, big topic. So, I mean, there's a lot of complexities and nuances to it. So, but Luke, that Max, thank you guys for being on the show and kind of like giving us an update from actual congressional leaders and being that that bridge between that upper echelon of you know leadership and government and the boots on the ground. Everybody appreciates it, and you guys are doing a hell of a job. So, thank you so much. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Max and Yvette. I'm personally just trying to keep up. So I appreciate the opportunity. (laughs) Happy St. Patrick's Day, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much. And if Steve is out there, I'll still beat your ass up a hill. Ooh, challenge. There we go. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in on another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. We'll see what happens when this uh, legislation comes out. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Till next time. See ya. And boom, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with my good friends from the Grassroots Wildlife Firefighters and the National Federation of Federal Employees. So big news on the horizon. I'm definitely pumped to see what the uh, actual language says when the uh, law comes out or when it's written down on paper. But that is uh, that's something that's going to that I guess it's up to time to tell time for it to tell you know you get the idea what i'm saying anyways time will tell what the finite details are of those particulars but either way i am super pumped about that and it's been a long time coming between these two organizations i do want to say that over the past three to four years more stuff has happened on capitol hill than in the last 40 to 50 years of just being a quiet professional so these uh these movements do work. And I will 100% say that this isn't the old school anymore. This isn't one of those things where uh, the shut up and dig mentality is going to get this across the finish line. So I encourage everybody out there listening to be vocal. And if you can join the uh, NIFI organization, the NIFI union, or if you can do a uh, solid and go and support or join, if you will, I mean, you don't really have to join. We don't, they don't pay wall anything like that. It's just information for free if you want it. But if you want to help support the uh, grassroots cause, go over to www.grassrootswildlandfirefighters.com and check it out. And same thing with Niffy. Get in front of your rep and see what you can do about standing up and making your voices heard because that's the only way this is going to change. So these organizations, you can also join both. That's the awesome part. This is all you, a reflection of the boots on the ground. So thank you everybody for changing and changing for good. Other than that, hope everybody's doing well. And uh, yeah, you'll be hearing a lot more from me here. Uh, I got some uh, interesting stuff coming uh, along the pipeline as far as expansions to the website and new tools that we can utilize for you folks out there. So hopefully it uh, works pretty well. And uh, yeah, get a chance and uh, fill out that survey. I take constructive feedback quite well. So if you want to hear something different, 
Hit me up. Anyways, just a special shout out to our sponsors. We got Mystery Ranch, purveyors of the finest damn packs in the fired game. We've got Hotshot Brewery, kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause. Go over to www.hotshotbrewery.com and check out their full assortment of everything they have to offer. Apologies, folks. That's my son whining in the background. He probably just... I don't know, drop something or it's throwing a fit. He's two. Anyways, we also have the ass movement, the anti-surface shitting movement. Booze is a hell of a human and he's a great dude with a great organization and a hilarious message that's real. So go over to www.firewild.com and check out the ass movement. And last but not least, we have Bethany over at the AWE, the American Wildfire Experience. Go over to www.wildfireexperience.org. Correction, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org wildfireexperience.org and check out all they have to offer and if you uh, are looking for those grants well there's your chance go check them out and you'll see when they are coming out and when they'll be issued and all the details so with that welcome back and thank you y'all know the drill stay safe stay savage peace